Welcome everyone to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner. Today, my guest is Stephen Wright. We're going to be talking about four gut health myths busted. Stephen has become a dear friend and is the founder of Healthy Gut, which has some unique formulations I'm using in practice, especially his tributer and axe has been a favorite already. You can check that out on the ipothecarystore.com. And Stephen Wright uh, started as a medical engineer and then he got certified with the Kalish Functional Medicine Institute and became a gut health specialist. And he had $400,000 of his own money overcoming his own health challenges. So he brings in this knowledge and brilliance from his personal experience. And I hope you enjoy this really informative podcast. Welcome, Stephen. It's an honor to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Christine. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, absolutely. So we serendipitously met at a conference and then we were invited to this dinner and we were sitting next to each other and we just really realized we had a lot in common with, you know, our kind of spaces we were in and what we were doing with our people that we served. And then we convinced you to come to the Bioregulatory Medicine Institute for an afternoon. And it was just, it's just been really a delight getting to know you and really getting to know your work and the products that you're using. And I really have found a niche that your products are providing for my patients. And I'm excited to see that evolve. So I just really wanted to pick your brain and share your knowledge with my listeners. So thank you for being here. Yeah, yeah, it's it's my pleasure. This is, you know, I think we we both bonded over the art and science and and craftsmanship that goes into making a great product. Yeah, absolutely. I know we we kind of take that for granted, right? There's so many supplements in the space and you can tell like, you know, some are pretty basic and kind of like, okay, we need that and then some you're like, you know, how did they get to that and what's behind this and you know, why does this work so well, right? You know, so I know that you put a lot of thought and intention into your products and as we kind of like go through these four myths and kind of like, you know, I, I definitely want to share your products because I'm using them in my life and my practice. And I think they're phenomenal. And I want people to know that there are some new tools out there for them. But like, how do you get into the space? I mean, because you're really, you know, talking to everybody every day about their gut. And, you know, there's so many things in modern life that, you know, really assault and plague our guts. So how did you get here? Yeah. I mean, I think life chose it for me, you know, looking in hindsight now, I, I started with a birth defect called a hydrocele hernia. So I had gut issues and nervous system issues from day one and almost didn't make it. And then grew up in a average upbringing, lower middle class in the Midwest. So while we had enough food on the table, it wasn't always the best quality. And we went to the doctors that gave me antibiotics for four years and I farting and IBS was sort of normalized in the family. Not it, No one really you know, gives you a playbook to your body about what's ideal. And so family systems tend to just normalize what everybody has. But of course, when your doctor says, hey, you have a family history of this, that's like literally your genetics, your epigenetics, your environment. And you're sort of normalizing that. And so I didn't really understand until I went to college that all my farting and the stinkiness and the alternating constipation diarrhea was like abnormal until I, I lived in a fraternity house. And it was like very clear, like they called me out all the time and made fun of me quite a bit. And that was like the beginning of the awakening, I guess you could say for me. It wasn't until after college when I was a consultant and I had what's called visceral hypersensitivity so bad that I would bloat up and have like crying level gas pains after every meal, no matter if it was salad and chicken or like oh. beer and pizza. And uh, I was on the 16th floor of a building. And so I couldn't really go outside. I, I couldn't really escape. And so I'd have to just like load up a spreadsheet and kind of softly cry and fart. Because if you've 
ever been that bloated, you know, like you really just have to fart. Like this is the only way out of the situation. And so my boss, yeah, he's, he called me in one day and said, Hey, your coworkers are saying you're the stinky guy and uh, you got to get this handled if you want to keep working here. And so that was really what drove me into doctor's offices. Unfortunately, Western medicine, multiple doctors in Chicago didn't help me at the time. They did rule out celiac disease, which was great. This was 2008, 2009, but things didn't get better. They told me to suck it up. You could have more Metamucil, have some antibiotics, but I was already anti those at that point. And so it wasn't until I changed my diet. I had a good friend in college, another fraternity brother who had celiac disease. He found out about the specific carbohydrate diet, which is you know a whole rabbit hole, but essentially it's just a very long, over a hundred years of research on restricting certain food groups, mostly in the carbohydrate area that help with people with gut issues and other things. It helped me probably eliminate 50% of the pain in one week. That was like a light switch for me. It was that moment, I think, of emotional breakpoint where I'm just at a rock bottom and then I'm given something to hold on to and some possibility. And so from there, it was just, I think, fueled by my own curiosity, a lot of anger and a lot of desire just to not have to live my life this way. And so it's been many hundreds of thousands of dollars and (laughs) a lot of different rabbit holes later, but I think that's just who I am. Like I just love trying new things. I love trying to help people with those things. And so I've just been writing and blogging and and I guess I did get trained in functional medicine back in 2013. So there was there was lots of phases, but it kind of all started in 2009. And so here we are 13, 14 years later. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, firsthand, you know, the people that you're serving and helping and, you know, it's come a long way, right? You know, our knowledge base and, you know, even within the alternative community, right? You know, with uh, so many more eyes on this and really just the acknowledgement, both of course, in alternative medicine, but of course, you know, even conventional, they realize like, you know, it's all the gut, you know, like our immune system, you know, like really most chronic disease or autoimmune diseases really start in the gut. So you're, you're not a lone wolf, like anymore, like, you know, you know, before, but with that, there's also this information kind of like, overwhelm and kind of like, what's the right information for people out there. And, and so, you know, I, I know we want to talk about these myths, right? Cause sure. it, kind of with the age of Google and Dr. Google, it's great. You know, we have a lot of great, you know, information at our fingertips, but you know, it can get confusing, right. And you can contradict yourself in like two pages. Right. So, you know, we, we know a lot about probiotics now, right. And there's like so many great supplements out there and, you know, people can sometimes just say like, Oh, I have like a gut issue. I need like probiotics and just pick something off the shelf. And, you know, they might not you know, be, you know, doing the right sequence or the right targeting. So just give us your feedback of like, you know, perspective on probiotics, how to even integrate them into like a gut healing and even maintenance strategy. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, as you said, probiotics are kind of now mainstream and everyone thinks they should be on them. But back when we had a consulting practice and we saw like just really a lot of tough cases. Like over, I saw over 350 myself, Jordan saw another 350. We had some other practitioners in the practice. Without a doubt, one of the absolute first things we did when someone came in, in pain was remove all probiotics they were on and remove any fermented foods that they were eating. And oftentimes that would provide a relief of some of their symptoms right away in the first week. And I think that's still true. And one of the reasons why is, I think one of the reasons why this topic is so 
complex and confusing and you can be in the middle of a rabbit hole on the way to the right place, but just think you're you're lost is because there are certain interventions that are right at certain times for certain people. And then there can be absolutely harmful or painful for other people at other times. And that level of nuance is, I think, where the industry is going, where we should be going anyways, if we're not quite there, but we're hopefully slowly getting there. And to me, the reason why is that live bugs, whether they come in a capsule or come from our food, are extraordinarily powerful if they're the right kind. But if our immune system and our gut are not quite in a state of readiness for that intervention or for those types of bugs, it's basically just going to drive further inflammation, further exasperation of whatever the symptoms are, diarrhea, constipation, bloating, because the ecosystem, like the the vessel of which you're putting these, these interventions in is currently basically broken. It's not operating correctly. And so, for instance, if you had a cracked bowl or vessel or something, and you kept trying to put more water in it, because you're like, hey, it's supposed to hold water, but it just keeps leaking out. And you're wondering why does it not hold the water? At some point, you're going to have to like stop, drain it, fix the cracks, and then you can go back to doing things the normal way, if you will. And so with probiotics and fermented foods, they're extraordinarily amazing. And I think they were part of the latter part of a true gut healing or immune system healing protocol. Like first we have to stabilize first, let's fix the ecosystem, the organs, let's fix any cracks, any intense inflammation or intense intolerance with the outside world that's happening with the immune system. And then we can bring in these bugs and then those bugs can do their work. And so, and that of course, we can go down a whole rabbit hole about how most of the probiotics are formulated in a terrible way. But in general, that should be the philosophy that I think we're moving to because You've been in this game a long time. I've been in this game a long time. The model of, oh, just put them on elimination diet, just give them prebiotics and probiotics and some anti-inflammatories, they'll be good. If that worked, (laughs) we we would have healed like half the world already, but it doesn't work that way. Yeah, such a great point. And, you know, I mean, just speaking from my experience, like I would never start with a prebiotic with any patient, you know, that's like so easy, you know, how to spot how reactive they are when they're not ready, but I mean, it's a great idea, right? So this probiotic thing, so that, that's a big, you know, that that's a big awareness. And I, I agree. Sometimes, you know, people are like eating their fermented foods and drinking their kombuchas and, you know, doing all these things and attempt to repopulate their gut with like healthy microbes, but you know, that's adding fuel to the fire, you know? And so I guess, what are some starting points? Like, I'm, I'm just curious, right? From your, like, when you were seeing patients, like, how would you like calm things down or start kind of the road back to like, you know, for them to be able to insert uh, probiotics later down the road? Like, wh- where did you start? I think my version of of health and healing and protocols is always to get people stabilized yeah. so that they're they're not sliding downward anymore. And then from a base of stabilization, then rebuild things. So like, for instance, one of the reasons why I feel like prebiotics and probiotics fail Mm -hmm. over and over and over again, I would say the number one reason why, in my opinion at this point, is that the oxygen and the pH is incorrect inside the intestines for them to properly do their work or for the intestine to even properly be able to handle them. And so while I do believe in doing a short-term elimination diet, and we can talk about maybe some myths around those in a little bit, restricting the diet down so that whatever's happening, if there's like constant histamine reactions or constant 
bloating or constant diarrhea. Like I feel like if someone's not in constant pain, then they can actually make progress. And so narrowing that stuff down, I think is a big deal. I like to use butyrate and tributyrin specifically to essentially lower the inflammation, soothe the mast cells and begin to lower the oxygen concentration in the gut back down to normal levels. But I also like to support the stomach with HCL. I like to support the small intestine with enzymes, just because even if you go on an elimination diet, it doesn't mean these organs are capable of doing the job you're asking them. It's not like you had a board meeting and you're like, okay, everybody, there's a big change coming. We're changing our diet. I'm going to need you to step it up over there, stomach and, you know, rush border. I need more enzymes. Like we don't, it's, we just going through life, we make a choice and then we hope our body responds. I think more often than not, and need support for a while to respond to those changes. And once we can stabilize somebody, usually with with some sort of you know reduced inflammatory diet as well as these these organs, typically from there we can rebuild out of that. Yeah, that's a great point. And really aligned kind of with like my thought processes, like, you know, always asking the question, why, right? You know, like why, you know, why is the gut so inflamed? And often it's the environment that, you know, um, either created it or was, you know, kind of perpetuated by, you know, the chronic assaults, you know, to essentially what we would call like the terrain, right, of the gut. So really great point. So, you know, we'll go in deeper about, you know, these products that you formulated because they, again, I'm using them before even learning all the reasons why they worked with muscle testing. I was seeing how much, you know, my mast cell patients were, you know, responding well energetically to the tributerin. And I was so excited to find like something, you know, another tool, right? Because we need so many tools for them. So I just want to, I just want to say like before the ones that I formulated have been on the market, I use derivations of these with less success for over 10 years. Yeah. So, and And I tried the, I tried the other ways and I keep coming full circle back to this terrain idea. And so I just want to make that clear that that's, that's what I did back then that actually worked. And I've just, I think, increased the efficiency of working now. Yeah, love it. See, that's why you came to the bioregulatory medicine, you know, conference. <laughs> totally. Terrain people, right? So let's just, before we get into like all the ins and outs of your products, which I really want to do in this conversation, tell us about, you mentioned like diet. Diet is like never ending. Like, you know, so we have low FODMAP with all the CPOM people. We have oxalates and histamines and salicylates and specific carbohydrates and, you know, paleo and autoimmune paleo and, you know, elimination diet, you know, there's so many diets and and you can make a case for all of them. I mean, they, they all, you know, when you think about it, but like how, you know, how do you start and kind of, what do you think, you know, what, what is, what's been your approach, you know, with diet? So I was raised in a family and in a an area of the world that saw things as black or white. Like even the religion I was raised in, the town I was raised in, there's no gray, right? It's either right or wrong. And so when I started these sort of nutrition uh, interventions on myself, every single one, I was like, oh, it's definitely the carbohydrates. And then it was definitely the seed oils. And then it was the salicylates. And then it was the oxalates. And like for anybody who hasn't been around long enough, this stuff was all happening and was all a big deal in 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012. So like the cycles keep happening because people who are thinking in black and white about nutrition keep wanting there to be one right way for them. And then they they make a change and then their story, their, their meaning making machine, their mind tells them, oh, that's right. Until a year or two from now, when they realize that like, well, there was some truth to that. There was some 
benefit, but then it totally fell apart. It's not the end all be all. And so uh, if you're looking for a black or white answer here, I don't have it for you because I don't believe it exists. It's all gray. And for some folks, a salicylate may be an extremely big deal. And for some folks, an oxalate may be a really big deal. But for the vast majority of people, they are not that big of a deal. And you can support your I think organs such that you can tolerate more foods. And that's not to say that like say GMOs or seed oils or something are like not a big deal and you should be eating them. I'm just saying that if you've already done the basics, if you've already, if you're eating meats and fruits and vegetables and some nuts and maybe some properly prepared legumes, like you're already in that camp, which I assuming listening to this podcast, you would be diving deeper into, is it a FODMAP issue? Is it this? We'll provide you some interesting experiences and you might find some interesting hope and ideas there. But if if that's all you're ever doing is diving deeper and restricting and restricting and restricting, you're essentially locking yourself in a tighter and tighter bubble of being in the world. And that's not, I don't think the life you want. And I don't think that's the life you set out when you're trying to heal yourself. And it wasn't for me. And so at some point I got to the point where like I had to have only these types of foods from only these places. And like this one thing might set me off. And I realized like, this is no way to live. And it's no way for anybody else to live because it restricts so many other things. That's when I, again, came back to what does the research say? Well, the research says, if you go on FODMAP diet for longer than eight weeks, you start to kill off your, your microbiome, your short chain fatty acid production falls down, your butyrate production falls down. Many of these restrictive diets have significant microbiome and gut effects beyond eight weeks. And so I think the goal should always be to get out of pain. And if you do have a class of compounds that are an issue for you, definitely, I'm not encouraging you to eat that. However, I am saying, stop assuming that it's the diet and it's not your organs. Like you keep blaming the food. What what if it's your body's incapacity to build bile or build enzymes or regulate its pH. And so I feel like if people could see these restrictive diets as all gray, there's no one right answer. They're all coming these giant fad waves Mm -hmm. and just focus more on tolerance of broad groups of food through supporting their organs and playing with supplements. I think they're going to have a much better healing experience and really be able to move on in life to other healing things that maybe they can't tackle right now, such as trauma or emotions or environment, job, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Such a great point. And I mean, you clearly stated like these are therapeutic strategies, not long-term interventions. And that that's the thing that kills me. Like I will see a new patient and they're like eating four foods, you know, or eating like, you know, oh, I, you know, I'm managing my life on, you know, these food groups and you know, when we learn about the healed gut, right, it's all about diversity and, you know, hormetic effects. And, you know, we're not meant to live in these like bubbles where we're just going to be in this cage controlling our environment. And then, then we're healed, right? Like, you know, healing is resilience, right? And adaptability and our ability to respond, uh, respond, adapt and to move on. And so I'm really glad you, you know, pointed this out. And and again, not to say there can't be a therapeutic intervention while you're in a healing process, but the don't think you're healed because you found the foods you need to eliminate. (laughs) I think it's like the, 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 the part that we're, you know, aside from celiac and those kind of things. So, so no, thank you for sharing that. Cause I I think that's still, I I just see people like restricting and moving out of life more and more and more and like them, you know, not really knowing how to go back in, you know? Well, and what you're mentioning there is what I've seen over the last 
you know, 14 years. And I know you've seen it for a really long time as well. And so it's like, it's only ever increasing. Like the more the internet allows us to know about nutrition and about like, yeah. oh, is that phytic acid bad? Or is that a lectin? Oh no. We make up these stories that these are like a really big deal. And then maybe some expert publishes a book and, yeah. and turns it into a bigger deal than what it actually is. If you don't get the experience that you and I have had, where we talk to hundreds and hundreds of people to see the trend, yeah. One of the things that people don't comprehend is the research. The research really says the longer you're on the restrictive diet, the worse your microbiome looks. Yeah. Well, if your microbiome looks worse and worse, you're now on a downward spiral where sure, if you eliminate another food group, you probably feel a little bit better for six weeks, but then you're going to eliminate another one. And so like the reason why you're, you're continuing to eliminate and kind of feeling slightly better and then slightly worse is because your microbiome is getting worse and worse and worse as you go down. And then it becomes harder and harder to re-add in those foods. And so, and that's the tragic, you know, the four four food people, the six food people, that's, that's really tragic stuff. And it's really hard to get out of there. Yeah. You have to, I mean, there's some pain on the road back, right. You know, for, for those people. And then, but, you know, food is such a psychological, um, you know, like, like there's such an interplay between our psychology and our food because we have to interact with it every day, you know, and there's so right. many, you know, traumas and our issues can be played out with food, right. And food restriction, especially. So, it gets really complex. So if you're, if you're out there listening and you think maybe either, you know, somebody, or you are that person, like tons of compassion and don't feel like you have to do this alone, but just, but just recognize like the interplay. And, you know, I, you know, I, I think, I mean, this is like such a broad statement and forgive me if anybody doesn't like what I'm saying, but I think all women and I'm sure men, but go through some disordered eating in their early life, you know, just in America, there's just like, some, you know, maybe not full on, full on eating disorder, but like, you know, just like whatever, you know, I remember when I was in my early twenties and kind of like healing my relationship with food, you know, just learning like the nourishment that food provides and all of this like amazing bounty that we have. And, you know, as Americans, we can just get any food at any time, no matter what season, you know, and and that could be hard, but it's like, but I, I, I think like, you know, sometimes when we're in these camps, like we're talking about food becomes the enemy, you know, and not the, you know, this gift. Right. And so, um, so I, I think the perspective we have to the thing that nourishes us is so such a part of the healing process. I mean, that's oh, just my thought. Yeah. A thousand percent. And so I, I mean, hopefully people listening to this will know your background. Maybe they'll dig a little bit into mine, but I feel like we're speaking for people who've gone down many rabbit holes only to be yeah. led back to the same place. Yeah. And I've been the raw food vegan. I've been the, you know, the vegetarian with the bad skin. I've been the paleo person. I might, my, my patient the other day, she was so sweet. She goes, what diet do you recommend? I go, to be honestly, none, just enjoy your food. Thank God for it or whatever you believe in. And, you know, like, let's, let's heal you to be able to enjoy your food. You know what I mean? Like that, that was my, she's like, you know, I think that's the truth. You know, I'm like, honestly, it comes from, you know, after being down every rabbit hole, not to say therapeutic diets aren't needed, but you know what I mean? Long-term. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, I've tried like 40 plus diets myself. I am an emotional eater. I'm a binge eater. I know it. I know it even with all the things I know right now. 
now, guess yeah. what? That study just came out like six months ago about how high or dark chocolate had had high levels of lead and cadmium. Many years ago, because I'm such an emotional eater and I was still struggling with stress, I was eating a bar of dark chocolate a day, if not two bars a day. I mean, it was a thing. It was like a thing I was not impressed by. Like I was trying to hide it. Yeah. And sure enough, about four years ago, I had cadmium levels off the charts on a test. And so even, even eating paleo and mostly whole foodish and having gluten only a few times a year, my, my disordered eating and my inability to deal with my life led me down all this dark chocolate into to more cadmium. And so I, I just say, I have compassion too. And wherever you are in your journey, whether you're just starting, whether you're in the middle and you're pissed off here in this conversation, or whether you're finding relief, you know, I just want to say hugs. And I think we put a lot of like food is powerful, but food is limited. Yeah. And I think people got to stop grasping onto this fantasy that food is going to heal everything. Yeah. I I think that's so true. One of my mentors, Dr. Louisa Williams, uh, she wrote a book called Radical Medicine. And she actually like put on her first rendition, she put an apple on the cover and put an X through it. And her thought was an apple away does not keep the doctor away anymore. Like that's just like a not even of thought for modern life. And, you know, and, and this is kind of my thought too. There's like a you know, I, I think we should strive, you know, towards changing the world and trying to heal the thing, all the systems that need to be healed, right? But, you know, we're in it right now. And some part of us signed up to be here at this time, right? So, you know, when we when we think about like what's really at the root of kind of like these imbalances and these, you know, symptomologies and, you know, the road back, you know, my perspective, and I'd love to hear your Stephen, is like, there's like this, a lot of what we would call dysbiosis is a blanket statement, but this imbalance of the microbes that are commensal within us, and then the opportunistic microbes, pathogens that, you know, can thrive in this environment. And so that's going to be, you know, the, you know, candidas and the parasitic infections and the SIBOs and the all the things, right? And so I, I look at it as like, okay, yes, we need to reduce the, you know, we we do need to de-weed that garden and get some of those bugs, you know, out of there while we're, you know, on the road back and creating a healthier environment for the healthier uh, microbes to thrive. And so but what's your perspective? I mean, do you feel like that's uh, one of the key causes of why people have so many digestive disturbances now? I do think it's a big deal, but I feel like people get the order of operations extremely wrong and they continue to, and it's really frustrating. So yes, I do believe that infections from you know H. pylori to worms to SIBO, CIFO, all these things are legitimate and usually need to be handled with some sort of protocol. Mm-hmm. However, again, it's like this you know, if you're, and I get it because I've been there, I've literally spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on testing. And, you know, trust me, this was, I'm sure what you're going through is painful. It was also much harder back in 2010, 2011, when there wasn't as much access to amazing practitioners. And so I know the excitement of, of like sending in a test and like getting it back and finding something and being like, ah, that's my issue. If all I have to do is kill that thing and then everything will be better. And Unfortunately, I was let down. I mean, I got better slightly, but I, I but it wasn't the magic I wanted it. And unfortunately, what I'm seeing 
in the world today in functional integrative medicine is usually people go right into killing phases and they, again, forget. I don't know of a better analogy. Maybe you have a, a better one, but I think of it kind of like a war analogy. Like your body has its own defense mechanisms in order for you to be colonized by a dysbiotic, uh, you know, bug of some type or, or worm or whatever it is like for you to lose that battle and have an inhabitor be inside of you. Now, something had to go wrong with your immune system to let that happen. And so if in this case, you know, we call out a favor and we say, Hey, herbs or antibiotics or antiparasitics, please come over and, and lend us a hand in fighting off this invader. Mm-hmm. That's totally allowable and it's totally great. But just like what happened in every single experience that America's done in war for like the last 40 years, as soon as you leave the country you invade, <laughs> the irregular environment takes back over. And so if your immune system is not supported, if your organs are not supported to do their jobs, whenever you stop that that antiparasitic, that antibacterial, that herbal program, you're essentially it's a wild, wild west again. And guess what? The dysbiotic experience won last time. What is going to say that it won't win this time? Yeah. And usually it does, which is why I think we see these recurrent SIBO and recurrent CFOs and like you know, I see people that come into our community that have been doing this cycle, this yo-yo cycle of killing for, I don't know, years. And I think it's because we failed to remember that like, hey, if you can help the immune system, you can help the the gut, the hormones, like get them up to speed, train everybody up and then say, okay, now that everybody's kind of on a, on a new vibrational plane or on a new healthy plane, now we're going to call in the big guns. We're going to, you know, get those antibiotics or whatever, and we're going to kill this thing. And when we do, we're going to extra support on the back end of that protocol to make sure that our body can, can have a new environment and a new existence. And I feel like that's where, I don't know why it's not talked about more, but I feel like that's how you get successful outcomes in treating almost anything. Yeah, no, I I think it's a really valuable point. You know, in my, you know, my thought process kind of like over the years, there's, you know, in bioregulatory medicine, we call them interference fields. So there can be these things interfering the body's ability to self-regulate and heal. And that's really immune driven, you know, like a definitely can be thought of in that way. I mean, I don't know about you, Stephen, but either the more that we learn about the impact of the environment and the increasing environmental toll in the human body and the impact on the immune system. I I think that's a big part of, you know, why we see our balance of microbes shift. And so I I agree, like you can't just look at one thing, because if we look at one thing in isolation, we don't really truly get to root cause. So why, why do you like, why do you think the immune system has gone awry in these patients who have these chronic infections? Yeah, I think it's a number of things. I mean, I think you do a lot of great work around detoxification and opening up the pathways. And so I think that's a really important step before the killing phase is opening up those pathways. I think there's certain nutrients that are under loved in the immune support, such as glutathione, which I think is traditionally, not traditionally, but in a lot of folks, it's pretty low who've been fighting chronic health battles for a long time. And so I think there's nutrients that could be put back into place. Like there's malnourishment of nutrients for the immune system. There's usually hormone problems. And I think of, I think of the immune system more as like the, the little stick body and the hormones are like the marionette uh, hand above like the hormones really can control the immune system and turn it on or turn it off or overactivate it. 
And you can do all the things you want to do with supplements and herbs, and you can meditate your whole day away. And if your progesterone's out of whack, your estrogen's out of whack, your cortisol's out of whack, you're not going to make a lot of progress. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a good point. I mean, we see that even in like chronic infection patients, right? And mast cell patients. So with women, just because, you know, they have the menstrual cycle. So there's come some easy kind of analogies, but I, I see like around ovulation and then also like that week uh, prior to like their menstrual cycle, their immune system is like, nuts, you know, and there's, we could have a whole lecture, you know, about why, but I'm just saying that like, there are these cycles, you know, that are, you know, there are these cycles and seasons to nature, but there are these cycles and rhythms to our hormones. And there's this dance with the hormones and the immune system that you're, you're really highlighting, which I I think is a, you know, really, really important. I, I was just thinking, do they call it, you know, some type of immunology, endocrine immunology, or maybe there's a term for it, but, but no, I, I would agree. And, you know, I, I've gone all over the place with my views of hormones and I think they, they need to be an addressed in a balanced system again, in a balanced protocol rather. And yeah, I see people's immune systems improve when their hormones get balanced. So I, and everyone's chronically stressed and nobody has balanced hormones these days. So, you know, so it's, so yeah, I, 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 I hear you. So I, I think, oh yeah, go ahead. yeah, just to, I mean, I think if you're trying to figure that out, pick any one entrance. Cause what you're saying, it's like, everything's a complex system. Everything's interrelated. Pick yeah. an entry point, whether it's your lymph or your nutrient status or your hormones or your gut, but just remember that you're going to have to touch all of those probably before you go into a killing phase. And yeah. I think that's how you'll get your best results. Yeah. Great point. Anything else you want to say about that? Like a terrain issues or like what you're learning about or what you're reading? I know you're an avid researcher, but like you know, any like ahas or kind of like, you know, building your model that's evolving like recently? I mean, I think, I think one of the biggest ahas I've had is really boring and I didn't expect to see it is that uh, there's actually new in the last five years, I actually started to do some stomach acid research that, you know, really hasn't been being done much of because the stomach is boring to a lot of folks and the complexities of gastric juice and everything that's going on there, while they're kind of worked out, they're not exactly worked out, but it's also not easy to stick probes in there and see into the, you know, like it's invasive (laughs) to do the the studies and, and do the work there. And I think what we're seeing is we now have a long-term usage of acid suppressing drugs. We have a lot of data on that. And what we're seeing is that those folks pretty much are guaranteed SIBO and pretty much guaranteed osteoporosis and, you know, pretty much guaranteed some of these other sort of chronic aging issues faster. And then conversely, there was a study that came out that basically showed that the stomach acid juice, when it's correct, when it's at a two versus a four on the pH scale, reduces the LPS dumping from your oral micro cavity area by 2000 times. So if you're at a four or above, so you have high, if you have low stomach acid, basically you have a high pH. I know that's confusing and it took me like 10 years to even really yeah. grasp it, but essentially you, you're not making enough acid on a daily basis and your resting acid level is higher than a four, which is a lot of folks, whether you've been on acid suppressing drugs or not, your LPS, which are lipopolysaccharides, which are really nasty toxins. We basically, I feel like we have an allotment of LPS detoxification per day. And if we start 
dumping too much LPS into the gut on a regular basis, we're going to increase inflammation. We're going to increase other issues throughout the body. And so just having your stomach acid resting at the wrong level can increase that dumping just from your mouth, not even from food, not from some super high omega six oil that you accidentally got in contact, just your, just your, your gums, like 2000 fold. And so I think there's again, much more to the terrain of the stomach and the terrain of the enzymes that happen in the brush border after that, that matter for our longevity mm-hmm. and our, our diets, then most people are giving it credit to. Yeah. That's really cool. Cause we talk about the oral microbiome a lot when people have chronic digestive issues and this is like a whole, I didn't, I didn't know that that's a whole nother piece you know, to the puzzle and yeah, like the PPIs and, you know, all the suppression, you know, there, there are, you know, tons of long-term effects that, you know, maybe they're going to show up in our office, right. Or anyone who's listening there. But so Steven, tell me about, I, I really want people to hear like your solutions and how you really thought this through. So like you have this amazing product line called healthy gut and, you know, you really, you know, you're creating some, to some people, they might be like, Oh, I have this kind of product. I have an HCL product or I have, you know, this or that, but you know, you put a lot of intention and thought um, behind quality, the manufacturing process, like how these things interact once they're in the, in the body. So um, just walk us through like your vision for your line. And I want to go through the products because I I think people will be excited to hear. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I'm, I'm a weirdo. So I was trained in engineering, electrical engineering in college. And so I started work on like cars and like, you can't have, you can't have a lug nut and a wheel fly off your car. Like that's, you know, that's a, lawsuit that's a death that's not good and so the the type of engineering standard i was raised in and the complex thinking of how we have to run machinery was really high and so when i got deeper and deeper into integrative and functional medicine and started learning how like one curcumin product is does not get the same results even though the back of the label says the same extract or it says the same type of extract one product in 20 like clients produces amazing results. All the things you see online, like my joints are better. My brain is better. My gut is better. And then the same product or the same type of product in another 20 people doesn't do anything. In fact, some people are a little mad about it. That started blowing my mind when I had access to that from a consulting perspective and to see the the data. And it really highlighted to me how like in medicine, there's like no standard. There's like the no wheel standard. Like if if a pharmaceutical drug gets like 30% outcomes and 70% don't get outcomes, but and they might get harmed, they're like, great, put it on the market. And the same is tr- the same is true and even worse in nutritional supplements, where there's really no governing body that's sort of putting any standards down. And so that that is something I take a lot of issue with because I feel like recommendations are kind of a sacred act. At least for me, they are. And so when I recommend somebody or if someone calls me like they did yesterday and says, I have a loved one in a really serious situation, I need some help, like gun to the head, really bad things are happening. I I don't have the luxury, in my opinion, to give ideas that might work. Like Mm -hmm. this has to be the best of the best and have like a 60 or 70% chance of working, not not working, but working. And so- that's how that's the ferocity intensity that I take with product development, which can include any number of avenues in order to try to figure something out. And the other thing is that I need these products personally. I got a a bit of a bad lot in this life, and 
that's great. It's turned into the thing that I do, the the mission that I'm on. And, you know, it's beautiful, right? It's like my superpower kryptonite all in one. And so I'm going to take these products probably for the rest of my life. So I don't want to be taking junk, right? I don't want the best outcome. Like if the research says digestive enzymes should work, and then I try the best ones on the market and they don't work for me. Now I'm mad. I'm like, this, this should work. And yeah. so that's kind of what I've been doing. Like for the enzymes, the holozymes, I was just frustrated because sometimes I would bloat and sometimes I wouldn't. Yeah. And I couldn't figure it out for years. And I saw the same thing in clinic. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I just got a stick up my butt kind of in a way just to figure this out. And I went across the world and I finally found a researcher who was like, Oh yeah, I've been trying to tell people about this for 20 years. It's basically if you grow them in the lab, they're missing their mineral uh, electron donor and they don't activate and turn on properly. And then if you extract them, extract them from a human or a cow or a pig, they have the mineral already attached. And I was like, no way. And then I like literally Googled it and like in all science textbooks, it says apoenzyme and then whole enzyme. And I'm like, how how is the whole industry fundamentally missing this one? Yeah this one little basic science principle. And it, and it was true. And so he was like, yeah, I, I, I sat in a lab and I dropped all the minerals in with the enzymes and they all turned on better. And then I ran studies and I proved it and I got a patent, but no one would listen to me. And I'm like, okay, man, this is definitely more credible than like raspberry ketones and, and acai berry, but you know, I don't believe you till I try it. So I, I tried it and I was like, wow, there's definitely something here. And so that's sort of like the process beside, behind uh, Holozymes. We actually partnered with him, licensed his stuff, and souped it up for those of us who have, I, I would say, extra gut stuff, extra food allergies, food sensitivities. And so, you know, that's kind of the the genesis of Holozymes and the technology behind that product. I love it. He must have loved getting your phone call. <laughs> Changed his life. Got his research out there. Awesome. 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 You mentioned tributyrin X already. And just tell people the difference about your butyrate or tributyrin rather than, um, you know, others. We, we heard already how amazing it is about changing and shifting the environment within the gut to help, you know, that journey back to kind of support and regulation. And so just tell us, yeah, what, what's tributyrin? How does it work? Why? Yours different. Yeah. So, so the first generation of butyrate supplements are sodium butyrates and CalMag butyrates. And they, they have a lot of research on them. They have like 15, 20 human studies. Most of them are pretty beneficial. And so they're not necessarily bad products, but they are the first generation of butyrate technology. Tributyrin is a fat-backed butyric uh, acid molecule. And that gives it just advantages right from the, right from the lab, basically, where it's going to basically last longer in your small intestine because the other ones go across the membrane in a gradient and they happen quickly, like super fast. There's no time release mechanism to them. Because there's a fat backbone on tributyrin molecules, they need a little lipase. And so it takes them a little bit longer. They last a little longer in the intestine. And that's the goal, I think, of a good butyrate supplement is you want to try to coat as much of the intestines as you can in this stuff. If you, The deeper you can penetrate with the product before it gets absorbed completely, the better. And so tributyrins are just a next generation molecule and I had, I meet all the criteria for low butyrate. Like I have it on lab tests. If, if you look in the research papers, like I'm, I should be needing, you, you know, butyric acid. And I tried the, the sodium butyrates and things. I just couldn't get results. It was, that's when I, 
that's when my ears perk up and I get really annoyed because like if the research says it, if the clinical models say it, but then I don't respond to it, then I assume it's a product related issue usually. Yeah. And so um, I did a kind of similar thing where I was asking around and I met a guy who's a chemist in Spain and and literally his whole life is, you know, butyric acid. And he's been working with this stuff for 30 years and all around the world. And he's come up with a way to, to basically synthesize 99.9% tributyrin molecules, which is the highest pure, you know, potency and purest uh, molecule out there. And then he found an enteric capsule that we were able to use and license. Cool. And it was on my desk. It usually is. I have my holozyme on my desk, but okay. Yeah, there's... yeah, it's this beautiful clear gel capsule that yeah. Yeah. And I think um it's easy to swallow. It's 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 you know because it's 99.9% purity, it's all 500 milligrams on the back of the bottle is actual butyric acid versus other compounds out there. And then I think people really underestimate capsule technology and delivery technologies. And so an enteric capsule is literally like the current iPhones. The current iPhones, you can walk into the pool with them and don't, you know, you don't have to freak out, right? They're going to be fine. But a, a regular vegetable capsule or a regular, you know, gelatin capsule, the moment you walk into that pool, it's probably like an iPhone, you know, five or something. It just melts down. It's like dead on arrival, like no water allowed on that product because those capsules break down in about 15 minutes in your stomach. The delayed release capsules or DR caps is usually the, the brand name of capsules. They're somewhere in the middle where they last like 45 minutes, sometimes up to an hour or so before they start to break down. And tear capsules means like they're testing, they're going through the stomach acid because they open upon pH difference, not based on like acid resistance, basically. And so the enteric capsule, I believe is part of the winning factor. It also happens to lock in the smell. A lot of people who've tried butyric products know that it can be quite smelly, but just because of the capsule gets to lock in the smell. And so the combo of the, the, the pure sort of level two butyrate plus the enteric encapsulation, I think is the reason why it's getting the results it's getting. Yeah. Awesome. I'm so glad that you again, found that chemist and you've made some good friends, right? <laughs> I love try, it. try. Yeah. Tell us about your HCL guard, you know, plus, because, you know, I mentioned like some people might be like, oh, I have an HCL product already, but you know, I, I kind of like, honestly, I mean, I'm embarrassed to say, but I kind of haven't really been prescribing a lot of HCL because it just, I just didn't find a product that people really responded to until, until yours. Yeah. It's, I mean, I would say the HCL guard is like the least in innovative of the three we've talked about so far, but it, it satisfied two issues that I had with the entire field of HCL products, which was number one, we know from the research that part of the gastric secretion is intrinsic factor. Mm-hmm. And it's not crystal clear if you have low gastric acid excretion. So if you make less stomach acid, do you make less intrinsic factor? That's not clear, but it would it would be easy reasoning. And it'd be an easy insurance policy that if you're going to make a product that basically supports or reintroduces acid as well as pepsin, that maybe you should grab the other molecule that's often found together with those two and support that as well. And so that just has bugged me for over 12 years. And so, I mean, I found out why they're not doing it. There's only like two sources in the world. It's very hard to get and it's not cheap, but I got it. I put that in there. So I think for those people who struggle with B12 issues, energy issues, they're noticing a difference with the added intrinsic factor. And then 
the other thing, just like literally I started using BTN HCL personally in 2010 and I've been on and off it since then. And I've, you know, worked with lots of people on it. Used to rank number one in, in Google back when you could do that kind of thing for, yeah. you know, that just how to use it and things like that. Cause I think it's such an underrated tool. One of the number one issues that people with low stomach acid struggle with is the prokinetic waves, like just making waves out of the stomach, keeping everything moving at the right speed. And so there is this trend now to have everybody on a prokinetic. And I'm not saying that trend is wrong, but my question was, could we build the prokinetic in with the acid product since we know they're likely to need both? And so that's why I included the organic ginger at a higher dose. And that seems to be helping. That seems to be what we're finding is that people need, say, they're taking four or five of another brand. They might only need two or three of our brand. And so that seems to be kind of the win is that there's a, a bit better of a prokinetic effect, a bit uh, less capsules are needed and some sort of extra energy boost if they're a you know B12 deficient type individual. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, no, that was so smart. And again, a lot of our patients are my patients are depleted. They, you know, even on some extreme might have pernicious anemia and, you know, just need like that, you know, B12 absorptive effect. So I thought that's cool. And then, yeah, the prokinetics out there, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I, I'm aligned with you just like kind of getting the whole system, you know, working and looking at the whole, but I, I love how you added, you know, the ginger, you know, in there, like um, the warming and the the prokinetic uh, support there. So Stephen, are there any other, I mean, I know you have a bunch of products, but I'll give you one more. What other product do you want to, <laughs> yeah, I want to mention? I mean, you have really awesome formulas, but tell me another, like what's on your heart that you want to share? with the audience. I mean, if I had to if I had to pick one more, I'd pick holoimmune just because I'm really proud of that and I think it's a really underexplored topic that is going to be talked about and I hopefully you'll remember that I'm the one who who mentioned yeah. it to you first. So, holoimmune is a is basically three paraprobiotics. Paraprobiotics are dead or heat-killed probiotics and they're specifically killed on purpose as well as some beta glucans. So holoimmune is you approach the immune system, some, some awesome angles. And so I was trying to approach the immune system from the gut level. Like how do we improve the, the secretory IgA, the gut defenses? How do we actually improve its resistance and or outcomes in regards to bacteria and viruses? And I had no idea that there was this group of probiotics that they would kill and the live version would do certain things in the body, but the dead version seemed to be preferentially enhancing the immune system of humans. Mm -hmm. And that was just really weird and wild to me. And so as I just kept diving down this rabbit hole, I realized that basically the the priors patches and the gulp inside the the gut, which is the gut associated lymphoid tissue, it's basically where like the majority of our immune system is interacting with the outside world. You can give it a bunch of dead cell membranes and those dead cell membranes of these bacteria act as like little pieces of data, little pieces of information. Mm-hmm. And if you give them more and more of certain types, certain strains, they will upregulate say T helper cells, or they will block IgE formation. Mm-hmm. And you can really sort of like, I don't know that we're at the the area where we can totally program the immune system through dead yeah. probiotics yet, but we're we're building that capacity from the research and from a product like holoimmune, where we can basically, holoimmune is designed to be adaptogenic because the research is not there yet where I could build a product for just someone who has this specific 
immune disorder. It's built to be like, if you're TH1 dominant, it's going to help you become less. If you're TH2 dominant, it's going to become less. And if you're having trouble with your adaptive or innate immune systems response, it should again, adapt to generally upregulate or downregulate whatever's in the way through the gut. And so the, the really cool thing is that the neuro component that we're seeing once we've had a, had the product on the market now, which is that 20 to 30% of people, mostly women over 40, who would not necessarily say they have brain fog, but just say they're aging or they're not as sharp as they used to be, seem to have this pretty amazing response to this product. And so that's amazing, right? It's basically saying that we're influencing the brain and the mind through the vagal nerve, probably through through the galt uh, with some dead probiotics. And that is just really exciting and really cool for those individuals who get the brain improvements. And then that also seems to be really helpful for those folks who are the ones who are trying to build their diet back up that we talked about earlier in the show who are kind of stuck and they can't seem to reintroduce foods. This is a way to basically retolerize yourself a little bit. And most people are able to add more foods in quicker when they're on the whole oatmeal. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I've been, you know, excited to share it with patients and excited to get more and more anecdotes. But, you know, it, again, it goes back to like that terrain, you know, kind of rebalancing and increasing tolerance, right? You know, so I, I'm really excited to see, you know, more and more anecdotes. And I, I love, yeah, you know, hey, we already know the gut and the brain, right? But if you can, you know, get more brain clarity, you know, while you're healing the gut, like, sign me up. I mean, I, I remember, you know, I have all these products around me, so it's like, what do I take in a day? It's, (laughs) but I, I remember that after you did an in-service for us, uh, the doctors at the clinic, we like pop some, you know, hollow immune. And I was like, I I do think I I feel like, you know, like I I could like, you know, see what you're saying with, I was like, Sarah, do I I seem like smarter, more with it today? And she's like, I I think so. You know, So, (laughs) so I, you know, again, just a fun anecdote, but, but no, well, I'm sure they're continuing to come in, right? Your email inbox. So, so Stephen, where can people find out more about you? I mean, I, of course, sell your products to my patients and I have my store, ipothecarystore.com. People can check out, but I mean, you're, you know, you have a great company, you wholesale, you distribute, like just share, you know, all the things we should know about where to find you and your business. Healthygut.com is the simplest way. If you don't pick it up from your site or something like that. Yeah, we're on several of the socials, uh, including TikTok, um, Healthy Gut Steven there. But yeah, in general, most of it is around our email list and our, our website. And so if you're wanting more information, I like to write about new and upcoming stuff that I'm, you know, mulling such as, you know, right now I'm really trying to crack the crack the nut on resistant starches and figuring out a product there that will work for the majority of people. So if you're, if you're interested in that sort of new and upcoming type of ideas and I guess kind of counterculture gut healing ideas, uh, you could hop on the email list there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and all the work that you're doing. And I, I had a lot of fun learning more about you as well as all the ways that we can continue to support and heal our patients. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner, and I hope you're enjoying these podcasts. If you want to learn more about Stephen's 
of work. You can check out the links in the show notes. And please know that we do sell his products in hypothecarystore.com and they become staples in my protocols. If you've been enjoying these podcasts, we would be so grateful if you left a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast community and have a beautiful day.